The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon. It's back. What? We're back! Oh my goodness, <laughs> we've been uncancelled. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. Yeah, and no, uh, Cancelled Too Soon was not cancelled. No, we've this, had we've had quite a few a, uh, messages lately from people saying, "Hey, what happened to Cancelled Too Soon?" It, it, Life it, happened. It has been several months. It has. And, uh, it I, has. It's Cancel Too Soon is is a little labor intensive. It yeah. requires a lot of viewing to get through a season of TV. And, and, and uh, we used to do one episode a week, mm. which we just it had became sadly over the last year or so particularly impractical. Just, just kind of unfeasible. So, yeah. you know, we were sort of spacing out episodes and this might have been the longest gap that we've oh, ever experienced. I think it's easily the longest soon. gap. It's easily uh, the longest gap. I don't blame but, people uh, for wondering if it was gone. It was never gone. It's it's what this channel got started on mm. was our love of, and if you're new to the channel and this is your first experience with Cancel Too Soon, Cancel Too Soon <laughs> is a podcast where we review <laughs> television series that lasted only one season or less. Catch some, people up on the premise. Sometimes much, much, much less. We've reviewed a lot of failed pilots. Uh, but the premise of the show is that television, as you heard at the front, um, is mostly based on failure. For every mm-hmm. hit series that actually does really, really well, there's always a bunch of shows that networks in good faith, sometimes in bad faith, tried to make happen. And the audience wasn't there, or they just cost too much, or some other bullshit happened. And then they never got a chance after their initial season, sometimes only a couple mm-hmm. episodes, sometimes only one. Uh, and our goal was to dig up these failures and determine, did they deserve to fail? And a lot of them don't. There's a lot of yeah, really, there's... really great television shows out there that just never found an audience in time. Mm. And it's worth seeking them out. And sometimes the ones that are not good <laughs> are legendarily so and are wonderful to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're, We still offer a t-shirt that says... Uh, ask me about the 100 lives of Blackjack Savage. Oh, which God. Still, still kind of remains one of the high watermarks for us. In terms of stuff uh, that uh, is not only mind bogglingly weird, but we actually kind of discovered it. It's not like a popular known cult thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're new, uh, uh, the 100 lives of Blackjack Savage was a short lived live action <laughs> Disney series from the creators of Final Destination. It introduced by um, Michael Eisner. Uh, Eisner, yeah, almost yeah. at Ovitz. No, it, was, it was Michael Eisner, like, Appeared on film. They had confidence every in this project. episode. And the premise of the lives of Blackjack Savage. The premise of the show, and this is a primetime, hour-long live-action show. Uh, 
Donald Trump flees America for tax evasion, buys a haunted mansion in the Caribbean from a wacky dictator, uh, and uh, it turns out it's haunted from the ghost of a rapping black pirate, and together they team up in a superboat to solve mysteries, or else they'll both go to hell. Yeah, and the, and the point is to absolve the the pirate spirit. Yeah, and and by extension, Donald Trump. He mm-hmm. doesn't have the name Donald Trump, but he looks like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He owns hotels. He wrote a book about how to be successful. Had a whole he's, bunch of like game show appearances. It's clearly like, Donald like, Trump. Like many uh, characters from the nineteen like media in the nineteen eighties and into the nineteen nineties, it is modeled off of Donald Trump. Yeah, he, he was a. He was a, a punchline. He was a mockable media personality. Yeah. The, the 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 weird accruing of some sort of credibility at all is still baffling to me. Yeah, but uh, in any case, it's, that's one of the weird ones. Yeah, and uh, this week I think we're also going to be tackling one of the weird ones because this is one of the stranger shows I think we've ever talked about. It's an odd show, but it is a very distinct show. You can see what they're going for. Mm-hmm. This is actually a personal request. Uh, from one of our patrons, this comes from Chris Wong, and we want to give a very special shout out to Chris Wong, for, longtime listener, very patient. Thank you for thank, giving thank you for time your patience. To get to this, yeah. uh, because we've been trying to get to this show for a few months now, uh, but uh, this is a show with an incredible cast, including uh, Ben Kingsley, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Simpson, who is just one of the great unsung actors. Just period. Everyone knows he's great, but he's never both, like won an award. Both Jimmy Simpson and uh, Damon Harriman, and they, they have yeah. a lot of scenes together. These two, these are these two um, they're better known for like character roles and they've also played a lot of like uh, like psychopaths and scumbags and yeah. supporting roles in certain movies. Um, Damon Harriman played uh, Charles Manson at one yeah. point. Uh, we've uh, also got... There's also uh, J- Jackie Weaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever wanted... Uh, speaking of character actor face-offs, mm-hmm. there are scenes across diner tables between Terry O'Quinn and Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. And and somehow an aperture doesn't open in the space-time continuum. <laughs> it's got Luis Guzman, mm-hmm. who's one of the great character actors of his generation. we got Timothy Spall here. And that's just scratching the surface of the very strange show from Epics called Perpetual Grace limited four million dollars we should take that money it'll be easy just a couple old people oh yeah and and you'd have to get hooked on methadone for real my parents can tell after i count down three rounds and hell i'll be in good company we have a church where we treat men and women troubled such as you you're gonna be okay i see my redhead mess bed tear shed queen be my squeeze it's a new day boy they stole all that money. This church. They're supposed to help people, but they use it to rip people off. I'm getting it back. Make things right. Let's stay the plan. They left last night. They're on their way. Come with me. It's not like we're hurting them. We just get them out of the picture for a little while. I am going to kill you, motherfucker. I am the pale horse of death, and hell follows me, boy. Perpetual right, so- Grace Limited uh, was on Epics. It premiered on June 2nd, 2019. It lasted only 10 episodes. Uh, it is, comes from creators Stephen Conrad and Bruce Terrace. Stephen Conrad is a name that may not be familiar to you, but he's written a lot of successful films. He wrote The Weatherman with Nicolas Cage. He wrote The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first screenplay in 1993 was a film called Wrestling Ernest Hemingway. 
Remember that? Which, which was a, a bit of a deal when it came yeah, out. It was, it was an Oscar yeah. bait kind of film. Uh, he had more recently, uh, he had done uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the somewhat underrated Ben Stiller version. I, I rather like that film. It's all right, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly very uh, gorgeously photographed. Um, and he did that the, movie, the, Wonder, one of, one which of the, uh, was, great, had some success. Oh, I was going to say, Walter Mitty has one of the great beards mm. in uh, in cinema history on Adam Scott's face. Oh, yeah. Like, it doesn't look like it fits anywhere, and yet you can tell how sinister he is. Just <laughs> where, where's his beard? Uh, and, yeah, he... There's not really kind of a creative through line, it seems, uh, with the st- the work of Stephen Conrad. Other no, than character based, yeah, they're just characters who are sort of lost in their own heads, and I think maybe that's our entry point to Perpetual Gra- uh, Perpetual Grace Limited, yeah, because these are all characters who are in their own heads, have very strange interests and personality quirks, and uh, the one character who tries to break into that bubble. And tries to manipulate other people. Mm. Uh, it's more or less a supervillain show. Kind of. Because it's hard to say who the main character is. It's more of an ensemble. But uh, Ben Kingsley is kind of the driving force. He's the, the character yeah. sort of instigating all of the plot. Yeah, everything and, revolves around him, whether or not he, he's uh, actually the yeah. protagonist. He um, and Jackie Weaver play a, a couple of itinerant preachers. Mm-hmm. Who are in fact supervillains? Yeah, they have. They live in a very small town in the desert, uh, and uh, they have a history of finding broken people, often uh, meth addicts, and helping them get their shit together. But what they people don't realize is that, yeah, I'm helping you get your shit together. I'm helping you get off meth. But they're also creating a system of psychological dependency. For mm-hmm. which they will then do pretty much anything for Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver, often to just out of spite. Yeah, they're like they're they're they don't have necessarily a, a goal in mind. They're not like sort of accruing an army so they can no. take something over. No, they have they no just, end game. They're yeah, just they, manipulative people, and that's how they make their money. They're manipulative people, and they get off on it. Like they yeah. kind of enjoy being manipulated. There's a. a early in the series that uh, Jackie Weaver and Ben Kingsley are separated. Jackie Weaver goes to prison and a big part of the story is they're, they're trying to break her out. Yeah. And while she's in prison, there's just a few scenes of her, but she is manipulating another inmate. Yeah. It's it, like this work camp. It's like outdoors and they're like, like well, they're, on, they're, they're on a train. They're being taken mm. by train, but legally they have to go out for exercise twice a day. Mm. So every time they go out for exercise, she is uh, basically ostensibly looking after this young woman. Uh, who is very much doesn't belong here. She's not a, a criminal type. Mm. Uh, and uh, you say to yourself, okay, is this what she's doing? Is she being a good person? And then what you realize is that uh, when the opportunity arises and the train is stopped nearby another train, mm. uh, she ties the young woman's braids to that train mm. so that she's being dragged along by the train. And while everyone else is distracted by that, she she just walks away. Mm. She doesn't even have to run. <laughs> <laughs> she just walks away. Yeah. And that's how she escapes. They're incredibly mm. manipulative and, and vile just, people for the most part. But here's what I here's what well, I think yeah. <laughs> stands out about Perpetual Grace Limited is that almost to a one, every single character is morally compromised, if not mm. contemporarily, then for something they did in the past. Uh, and every single one gets a ton of screen time to the extent where no matter what horrible thing they've done, you get them. You, you, there's an affection for you every get, single character you get them, in this. You, you understand them. You understand sort of the weirdness of mm. them. And you understand that they're all the kinds of people uh, who 
are really just trying to do the best they can. Yeah. Uh, ex- with the exception of Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver, who and are even trying, then you, trying to do the worst they can. But even but, then, you understand oh, by yeah. the end of the first season what and, uh, got them there, and you're not entirely unsympathetic, and they are... There are traits that they have mm. that are recognizably human. They're recognizably human, and you kind of admire them because they actually are. Even the the villainous characters are all trying to help others. Yeah. Um. The um. Let, let me go through the characters' well, names. The Jimmy Simpson character's yeah. name is James. Oh yeah. Let's um, let's, let's go through the cast okay. real fast, just in general, because it's a lo- it's a big cast. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. This is not an episode. This is not a show that's going to be easy to uh, break down episode by episode. We're probably going to have to do uh, sort of a subplot by subplot or just sort of a general yeah. walk you through the general uh, vibe. But it's a big ensemble cast. The main character, arguably, is played by Jimmy Simpson. Uh, Jimmy Simpson, at the beginning of the show, we find out that he was a firefighter. And in the middle of a fire, when things were getting literally too hot, like the, the his mask was melting, which mm. was ruining his visibility. And he fled a fire, not realizing that he left behind another firefighter who died and left behind 11 daughters. So in addition to just feeling guilty about this guy dying in the line of duty, and it's kind of his fault, arguably he feels responsible for all those kids and he has completely hit rock bottom. Mm. And at that point he is approached by an amateur magician (laughs) An, an amateur who becomes a professional by the end. He's quite good. It turns out, uh, in fact, he might actually be magic. There's like there's a few <laughs> elements of magical realism in this show, which I really appreciate. Yeah, but that's uh, uh, Paul, and that's yeah. played by Damon Harriman. Yeah, probably best known from uh, Mindhunter or Justified. Um, and he is Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver's son. He's alienated. He hasn't seen them in many many years, and he has a plan to fake their death without them realizing it, so that he or someone impersonating him can take all the money out of their trust and steal that shit. Mm. And then by the time they come back from Mexico is the plan, they'll have found out that, oh, everything we've ever stolen from everybody is gone. Uh, This is an incredibly complicated plan that requires a lot of moving parts. He also has a girlfriend who has to seduce a Mexican sheriff, played by Luis Guzman. Mm. Luis Guzman is responsible for when they trick Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver into going into Mexico... Uh, he has to keep them detained for two weeks, not so, realizing I'll, I'll, that they are homicidal maniacs who, who can absolutely take care and, uh, of themselves and break out of prison. There are long, long portions of this show between just Ben Kingsley and Luis Guzman. Which is that a are great terrific, combo. Oh, they're, they're, good ter- together. they're terrific together. First of all, they're both excellent actors, yeah. but uh, yeah, they're character types you don't usually see interacting. Mm-hmm. Luis Guzman is... he. He's one of those actors that kind of sneaks up on you because he t- tends to play certain character types. He plays like uh, a lot of supporting roles, best friends, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of schlubby guys. Yeah, he's playing. And he's playing. He's, uh, he's uh, not, you're never he's playing Gomez him. Adams in the next Adams Family yeah, series. Yeah, that's great casting. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what he does with that role. That's gonna be amazing. But uh, he. He's uh, he's in this role. He actually you get to see how sharp he is. Mm-hmm. Not not just his character, but Luis Guzman as an actor. So he kind of understands that uh, Ben Kingsley is trying to manipulate him, mm, but he has and, no idea what he's doing. But he, yeah, he's not, he, uh, not that smart. Exactly. He's but he's not so wise that he can kind of stop him. And we actually get to see that Ben Kingsley is really trying to help him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Luis Guzman 
uh, eventually reveals that he's been having an affair. He's married, and mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's also uh, seeing none other than Dana DiLorenzo, who was my Schmodown partner once. <gasps> That's right! She was on Evil Dead! That's she so was on weird! Evil Dead. Yeah, that actress. Uh, oh who's, my who's god, playing, I thought she looked mistress. familiar. That was driving me up the wall. So I, I recognized her immediately. I was like, That's hey, hilarious. Dana DiLorenzo, I was on a Schmodown with her. That's so, uh, hilarious. I competed against um, uh, John Schnapp, the late, great John Schnapp, oh, and uh, John another Schnapp. one of the actors from Evil Dead. Yeah. And uh, you won! And yeah, and we won. Ha ha! And they tossed us puffballs. I it, know. It, it was for the actors more than us. Yeah, you know, I know. We, we were just... We the were celebrity... Just listen, listen, listen. I love we the Schmodown. to fill the room. I love the Schmodown. The celebrity matches do not have the hardest questions in Schmodown history. No, no. It's like... Who, <laughs> we want everyone to look, have fun. Yeah. Hey, we want everyone to have a good time that day. Yeah, That's yeah. what we care about. Um, but I guess that is cool, isn't it? Oh <laughs> um, yeah, Luis Guzman has been having an affair, and uh, the the Ben Kingsley character is trying to get him to do the right thing, mm-hmm. make a decision. Are you going to continue to see this woman, mm-hmm. or are you going to go back to your wife and dump this woman? Mm-hmm. And he, he Luis Guzman actually has to like have a bit of a reckoning. It's like, yeah. well, what do I want with my life right now? You're getting me to think about my life, Ben Kingsley. Even though I kind of understand that you're trying to pull something on me, yeah. I I really it's kind of like the Hannibal Lecter thing where mm. Hannibal Lecter knows how to be a good therapist <laughs> and he could be a good therapist if he really really wanted to but you never know when he's actually giving you good therapy or when he's twisting a knife or trying to manipulate <laughs> you into thinking what he wants mm. and that's dangerous isn't it Ben Kingsley would have been a good Hannibal Lecter um so okay, so yeah, going back to the basic. Well, how how old is Hannibal Lecter? Ben Kingsley's only like seventy four or something. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter's not supposed to be that old. All right. Um, in any case, oh, uh, so the, the excuse me, seventy eight. He's older than I thought. Yeah, yeah, and he carries it well. He's a brilliant oh, actor. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the so the idea is this: uh, Paul Allen Brown, played by Damon Harriman, is the son of Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver. He hires Jimmy Simpson to impersonate him. But not directly. He says, you're going to go to my parents' house. First off, we're going to get you hooked on meth. Hope you're okay with that. And Jimmy Simpson's so ruined, he's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets hooked that's, on that's meth. something I actually like about these characters. They're all defeated yeah. at the start. Every single one of them. It shows that like, when you have nothing left to lose, mm. you'll do you'll do well, unpredictable it, stuff. It's it's All of the characters are in, a, are in a place where they can kind of do nothing but hope. Yeah. It's actually a weirdly optimistic show That's for how like downbeat this. and defeated everybody yeah, is. Because every single character, even if they do terrible things, mm. is doing it because I got nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and you you can't help but sympathize with that. We've all been at whatever rock bottom is for mm. us, and we know that there's kind of hopefully there's no place to go but up. And and there's some scrabbling to get up from rock bottom and some stumbling back down. Uh and anyway, uh, yeah. So anyway, Jimmy Simpson, Jimmy Simpson he gets hooked on meth, yeah. and he lie, lays by the side of the road en route to Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver's house. They end up taking him under his wing, and after he gets his shit together, he says, "You've talked about your son who is missing. I believe I can find him for you. Let me be. Let this be how I repay you." And they both say, "Okay." Mm. And he says, "I have found your son. He is in a prison in Mexico, uh, and in order to get him out, you have to go down there and get him out." And they say, okay, and they drive down to Mexico, at which point they are promptly thrown in a jail cell. And Jimmy Simpson's like, okay, great, this is going to be easy. Everything is going according to plan, even though this isn't even a great plan. Problem is, 
every fucking thing that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. And this is one of my favorite kind of stories. <laughs> it's one of my favorite kind of stories. I call them poor bastard stories. Mm-hmm. Where this, this is a whole, a whole every character is a yeah, poor bastard. Character. There, there's it's a wonderful. It's typically it's hard to keep up in television, which is why I'm very impressed by the show and how they keep managing to keep this tone alive. Mm-hmm. But in movies, for example, something like uh, the Bill Murray movie Quick Change, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese's After Hours, the Evil Dead movies are kind of like this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say uh, uh, Spider-Man 2 is kind of like this as well. Basically, the characters can do no right. Yeah. No matter what they do, whether they do something right or whether they do something wrong, it always comes back around to hurt them. And you've, we all, we've all had days like this. Mm. And we've all had weeks like this. And so it's intensely sympathetic. Um, so first off, the problem is Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver are not some old couple that are just going to wait there. And the first thing they fucking do is kill the son of a cartel drug lord. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna be a problem throughout the entire oh, fucking season. The, the cartel is like the least interesting part of the show, but it's still it, a problem. It's, it's still a it's problem. A problem that's, but yeah, it, it gets a lot of people killed. It's the one thing that feels the most typical of a, yeah. a series that otherwise gains its strength from being yeah. very atypical. There's also a bit where, uh, in order to prove to Jackie Weaver that he's a proper meth addict, they didn't just get addicted to meth like two weeks ago. Mm. Um, she says, okay, I know meth addicts have a secret stash somewhere, so tell me where yours is so I can destroy it. And he tells her where it is, but he doesn't actually have one. Mm-hmm. So while she's gone, he has to run. He steals her pearls, goes to a pawn shop, and when and, the pawn and, shop... And accidentally harms the teenage clerk well, who's working there. It's an incredible bit. He meets this young teenage clerk working there, and he sells the, the pearls for next to nothing. It sucks. And then he immediately runs and buys some some meth, and he hides it where he says he's going to go. But now he's got to get the pearls back, otherwise they're going to know he, he stole them. So he doesn't have the money for it, so he puts you know pantyhose on his head, and he grabs a wrench like in Clue, and he like takes the kid off to the side. And the kid, by the way... The he's kid, like 16. He's, he's like 16. Kid. His, his, his dad is making him work here instead of going to school. He does not have a good life. He's undereducated. He's a nice kid, but he's extremely not bright. And he feels so bad for this kid, but damn it, I have to make this look good. So he like taps the kid on the head with the pipe, which of course does nothing. Then he taps him slightly harder, which of course does nothing. And then finally, and he the just, kid just like it's not that he stands he's there. Like, but Ow. Then, he's like, I know what you're doing. Yeah, like <laughs> you're, the, the, the you're kid gonna is, hit me. He's like, stop hitting me. Like, yeah. he, he too is defeated. And then he hits the kid on the pipe so hard that the kid gets knocked out. Now in movies, when you get hit in the head with an incredibly blunt object, really hard. You fall over, and then maybe and then you have you, a bump you, on your you head. You wake up and, an hour later, and you say, yeah. "Oh, I have a headache," and yeah. that's the last. And you then you're fine after a day. Uh, in reality, that can be really fucking bad. And the next time Jimmy Simpson goes into that pawn shop just to check in on the kid, the kid has brain damage. Mm. The kid now has uh, uh, it's permanently impaired his vision. Mm. He can no longer like light hurts his eyes, darkness hurts his eyes, <laughs> loud noises hurt him. He's kind of permanently ruined this child, and he feels intensely responsible for it. And over the course of the series, he builds up an increased relationship with this kid and makes him part of the criminal gang. Because in order to keep this shit going, they keep having to involve more people. Because not only, okay, fine, we needed to get them out of the way. They're in Mexico for two weeks. We're going to declare them dead. We're going to get all the money out of the bank, and by the time they come home... Everything will be fine, and no one's theoretically more than inconvenienced. In reality, it's going to take at least 90 days to get any of that money, so Mm. already we're fucked. 
also, by the way, he's impersonating a guy who, it turns out, is the prime suspect in a murder <laughs> that Terry O'Quinn, playing Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, more or less. He's a guy whose name is Walker, and he's a Texas Ranger. He's been <laughs> investigating this crime for years, and he's like a dog with a bone, and he's not going to go anywhere. And one of the first things he does is he straps uh, one of those ankle bracelets on Jimmy Simpson so he can't go anywhere without being tracked. Also... Uh, the guy Jimmy Simpson is impersonating uh, stole money from his parents that could have gone to this other guy who borrowed money from his parents to start a lens crafters franchise, and then oh, the, that the, oh, that God, would, I forgot about the lens crafters. The lens crafters. Subplot. The lens crafters. So he he, so, he was the, he was a convicted murderer. Oh. He got out, tried to turn over a new leaf, legally changed his name to New Leaf, and then. Opened the LensCrafters franchise, it went belly up, and he couldn't afford to pay his parents back because that money got stolen by the guy Jimmy Simpson is impersonating. And now his parents are both in a coma, and they're going to die at any time. He has one of those, like, radio-controlled devices like this, you get at a, at a Chili's. This is another uh, a bit of magical realism where yeah. the instant they die, he's going to get a little buzz on that thing. Yeah. And it's the never range really on those things is like It's like 20, 20 feet. yards. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's like 20 yards tops. But yeah, so he's, they're carrying it all around the country, and mm. so now there's this this like bizarro ticking clock element yeah. where if they're as soon as his parents die, he's gonna kill Jimmy Simpson. Mm. But until until they do, he'll stay alive in hopes that Jimmy Simpson can get him the money back. Uh, so now he's befriended a guy who is basically vowed a blood vendetta. <sighs> Wait, where the fuck am I? It's there's so much going on. <laughs> uh, also, we have to produce the bodies at some point, so we have to find two dead bodies over the course of this series. And uh, as it turns out, um, the the parents, those parents, the uh, aforementioned parents, will die. Yeah, and they will be swapped out for the bodies of mm. uh, uh, Ben, the fake bodies of J- yeah. uh, Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver, whose bodies need to be produced, uh, and they have to like. Make sure they're unrecognizable, so they have to do things like run them over with a car and stuff. Yeah, uh, and a lot of and there's multiple <laughs> episodes dedicated to just helping New Leaf, played by Chris Conrad, uh, trying to get New Leaf to agree to, hey, listen, your parents are already dead. You mind if we run them over with a car and bury them instead of our real parents? And he's like, yes, I do mind. <laughs> That's kind of awful. Yeah. Meanwhile, and it gets worse. It turns out Ben Kingsley has been spending money every year to keep a guy that he was in, like, a juvenile... Uh, uh, oh, they, when they were in an orphanage together as yeah, children, yeah. they... Murdered did they, somebody. Did they beat him up or they just... Did no, they, they kill killed him? They're, they're, oh, they, they killed a guy. Yeah, they killed and, a guy. Uh, they, killed a ki- they killed another kid when they were, like, six years old. And, uh, uh, and meaning... Uh, meaning uh, this character is like the youngest person to ever have been convic- convicted of a murder. Uh, first degree murder. For, yeah. A first degree murder. Yeah. And that's uh, so Timothy Spall. And that's so played by Timothy Spall, who is a great in everything. One, just a brilliant actor. And so Ben Kingsley has been, ever since he got out, he's been bribing someone at that prison to keep Timothy Spall from ever getting parole. However, this was the week he needed to make that payoff, and since he's been in Mexico, Timothy Spall is out, and he spends the entire season working his way back to where Ben Kingsley lives, so just so he can yeah, kill him. He's in England, uh, and he's Timothy Spall is like he's a, a stone cold sociopath, and yeah. he just tells people that he doesn't mind murdering. Yeah, and uh, in 
the, the single funniest moment in the show. Uh, he arrives in the United States. And he gets uh, a cab. He, he, gets a, he gets a cab, and he's the first thing he needs is he needs a gun. He wants a gun yeah. so he can shoot Ben yeah. Kingsley. He's got to get money to buy he's a gun. And he's got to get money to buy a gun, but he does, he's at, kind of at a loss. So he, he gets in a cab, and he's like, oh, well, I don't know. Where am I going to go? I need a gun. And wouldn't you know it, it's the cash cab. <laughs> now, if anyone doesn't know what this is, there is a game show called Cash Cab, where and I think this is real. It's a real way. thing. Yeah. It's, I've, I've always wanted to call it cash cab. Actually, yeah. There's, a, uh, there's one cab driving around New York City. Yeah, and if it, you get it, in this cab while they take you to your destination, it is still a cab. Hmm. They will ask you trivia questions, and if you get them right, you win money. They just hand you cash on yeah. the way out. Yeah, that's it. It's a it's entire, a fun premise. Your your a game show is sprung on you. Yeah, it's a really really fun premise for a show. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's a hoot. Uh, the first question they ask him is a multiple choice question. Which of these people is not a member of the Cardassian family? He gets that wrong because he hasn't watched TV. Yeah. Uh, but when we cut back to him, he, you're only allowed to well, like, get like three questions wrong. But they, he's, he's, he, he asks like, uh, what do you have like for yeah. like, something a little older? What do, you have, like, what do you have that's harder? Yeah. Give me the hard stuff because you're giving me these like softball pop culture questions that everyone's going to get but me. So he says, I would like you to only give me the hardest questions. A, you'll make more money. And it's about classic lit, which he yeah. knows. So. Well, well, it's not even just classic lit. Like the first question is like, uh, what's the largest desert on earth? And he oh, says yeah. Antarctica. Mm. Which is true. It's, it's kind of a trick true. question, but it is true. And so he gets that one right. And he starts asking questions about uh, the Battle of Actium and Shakespeare and all these other things. And he's just, he's a nonstop trivia machine. And then the final question is Who is the youngest person ever convicted of first degree murder? At which point he says Donald Deloche convicted is, at age six. Which is him. And then they say, Great, that's amazing. You just won Cash Cab. No one's ever won this much money on Cash Cab. What's your name? Donald, Donald Deloche. Deloche. <laughs> that's a great bit of writing. That, that's that a great bit of writing. sequence is just wonderful. And Timothy Spall, apart from that sequence, is barely in the show. He's not in it much. He's got yeah. a great scene like, towards the end f- with New Leaf when he tries mm. to buy New Leaf's gun. Yeah. And he basically tears New Leaf. To, to nothing mm. within a span of a short conversation, which is a lot of the dialogue in this show. A lot of the dialogue in this show is people really sizing each other up and yeah, yeah. breaking each other down and saying, here's what your problem is. And they're right a lot of the time. There's a lot of people here with a lot of serious issues, a lot of serious problems holding them back, a lot of baggage, a lot of tragedy. And they are very prone to manipulation. If you know how to push their buttons, uh, and whatever you do, do not push Ben Kingsley's buttons. Because the first thing he does when he when he escapes Louis Guzman is he goes to Louis Guzman's family. And in the most Hail Mary con I think I've ever seen anyone do in anything, uh, he tries to like convince the kids to get in the back of an ice cream van, which is they're a little too old to be to, to fall for that one. Mm. So he follows them to school. Turns out it's like uh uh what do you what do you call it when dad when your dads come to work and talk about what they do? Uh, it's career day. Career day. Career day. He gets career day, and uh, he just walks into the line of dads and career day, and he says, now, "I know none of you people. All of you are probably wondering who is this guy. Uh, those two kids, they're my real kids. Their dad is not who he says he is. He's a he's an asshole. I truly love their mother. Here's this incredibly long winded story about our love for each other. And if they accept me as their dad right now, they'll come back with me to my cool house, which has a lot of <laughs> arcade games. And I'll make sure that they like 
go to prom and always have dates and all this kind of stuff. And it's just the wildest fucking lie, but it's so huge. <laughs> the lie is so gigantic that they buy it. And then the next thing you know, you cut to that house and everyone in that house is tied up. <laughs> and he's reading and he's reading a novel Louis Guzman has been writing about a detective like who looks just like Louis Guzman and is incredibly sexy. And he's been working on this novel for many, many years. years. And, uh, just hasn't had the gumption it's to like, finish it. He's got 32 pages and Ben Kingsley's written it. And when Louis Guzman comes home and sees his whole family tied up mm. and he's horrified... Ben Kingsley sits him down and says, I want to read, I want to give you some notes on this awful novel. <laughs> and he's talking about, yes, he walked into the field of black crows. What other color crows have you found, Louis Guzman? And he's like, I don't know. You're a terrible writer. <laughs> Just, you're so awful. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, mm. what, what have we, oh, and also. Oh, God, what have I forgotten? The astronaut. Oh, there's an astronaut, by there's, the way. There's two astronauts, technically. There's two astronauts? Well, well there's, there's the one in the title sequence. Okay, so the title sequence, there's an astronaut in outer space. It's kind of free-floating. Mm. And, 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 I lo- and I love the theme song. Great, yeah, great opening title sequence. It's a, a song called Comet by a band called the Jones Sisters. Um, it turns out that astronaut is Jimmy Simpson's father, his real father. He went out into outer space, and he basically saw the infinite void and, and lost and, his mind. And, insane, yeah. and now he's been sort of wandering around Austin, Texas, wearing a full astronaut, not mm. like from the store, like from NASA, like a full <laughs> astronaut regalia. He just wanders around. And, and we never see his face. He's got the shield up over a bubble. And... One of my great regrets is that but we're not having another season of this. We don't get to see who's in there. Because you know it's uh, someone you know, cool. You know it's like Ed Harris or someone I, like... I like to think that there's not a person in there. Ooh, that there's something kind spooky. of go- ghostly about the father. Because I love it. There's, we don't really see that character interact too much with the other characters. He's mm. in this kind of weird uh, 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 sort of purgatorial space. Yeah. And that, that's actually a quality of the show in general. Everything yeah. feels kind of halfway in between, kind of purgatorial. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to think that... And we... The father talks to Jimmy Simpson on the phone a couple times. But he never but says we don't, anything. Yeah, we don't hear his voice. He picks up the phone and Jimmy Simpson does all the talking and he's completely so, yeah. absentee. I, I like to think that Jimmy Simpson was sort of like manifesting this like as an image in his head Maybe. to help him cope. Like, that's my father. He's the astronaut. And yet, you know, out and, in space. And yet the kid from the uh, pawn shop does get to meet the father, so he is yeah. real. But um, but he because he's suffering a head injury, you're not really sure if they're like now sharing a hallucination mm-hmm. or what's going on there. But uh, the other astronaut is is played by, or would-be astronaut, is played by uh, Efren Ramirez from Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, he was right, Pedro. Yeah, who, who wants to be an astronaut. Yeah, he's, he's a, he is a, um, uh, what do you call it? He's a mortician or a... Um, pathologist. Pathologist. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who Luis Guzman has bribed to say that those elderly people are dead. Mm. Uh, and with that, I, I remember serves the plot is with that money, he's actually able to go and test to become an actual astronaut, which is his live stream. And it turns out he's spectacularly well-equipped for it. He's, it's perfect. He, he's doing really, really well, and the, the timing turns out really, really badly because yeah. he actually has to help all of these other characters yeah. with their drama, hence missing something very important well, in his astronaut there's, there's an age cutoff. You have to be approved to become an astronaut, I think, before you're 33. According to the show, I have done no outside research. I like I I'm, I assume it's made up. I assume it's but, made up, but who just knows? because of the nature of the show? Who knows? Uh, and this is by like and not and this isn't like SpaceX bullshit where you buy a ticket. Like this isn't like NASA. Yeah. Um. Uh, he has to finish uh, getting his like credential to be an astronaut before he's thirty three. He's turning forty three 
in a couple of days. And in order to keep this con going, there's a time when he has to come back and unfile the death certificates before people find out Mm. everything, all the shit's gone down. And he will not make it back in time. So he will never be able to be an astronaut because of shitty timing. And there's something really... I mean, on one hand, you knowingly engaged in police corruption. Mm. On the other hand, ouch. <laughs> yeah, well, ouch, dude. You were so close. I, I, I talked about sort of the optimism of the show, that sort of you're, you're, there's hope in it, mm-hmm. so that everybody's kind of scrabbling upward, but they're constantly falling on their faces. Yeah. And they're dragging people down with them. Yeah. But what they're doing is... But, a, but they never lose that sort of forward, forward momentum of what they are trying to do. One of the things I love about this show... Uh, is over the course of it, all of these absolute losers of characters, mm-hmm. just unbelievably pathetic human beings who've done horrible things. Some of them have paid for it. Some of them have not. They're all perfectly willing to commit crimes if it suits them. They're all trying to do it for reasons that seem reasonable, but there's a great bit that Ben Kingsley has at the beginning where one of his great manipulation tactics is I'll start tomorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you said if you can recognize that someone has a problem and you can convince them to solve that problem tomorrow, you can get them to do anything today. Whereas if you told them they could stop, they they could solve that problem today, you couldn't do that. Mm. So every single person in the show is basically saying, "I'll be a good person tomorrow." Today, <laughs> yeah. I need to do what I have to do to survive. Which uh, tomorrow, I'll be a better person. Actually, now that you bring that up, that reminds me uh, when I was watching this show. Mm. And you saw this more recently than I did. Yeah, you, you saw this a little while ago, and I only but, just uh, yeah finished it. But I, I remember thinking of twenty four in that regard. Yeah, uh, twenty four. Of course, twenty four is you know this action, a- action packs, political Bay thriller. Type show, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, it's and uh, it's one of the shows that is often cited when it uh, we talk about sort of the, the popularization of torture as an entertainment device. Yeah, because there's a lot of torture on that and, show. And in fact, that show and almost the, almost unilaterally says none of every single time America is saved. In 24, which is mm-hmm. usually like three times a season, it's because we didn't have time to do anything but torture. Thank God yeah, Jack well, Bauer was here like the, and the, willing to torture the somebody. The clock is ticking and you need yeah. somebody with no moral compass like Jack yeah. Bauer who's just going to like stab a guy in the knee to get information. One of, one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the most incredible plot points I've ever seen on a television show, to be fair. There's a second season of 24. Mm-hmm. Jack Bauer, who had previously in an earlier assignment gone like undercover with skinheads. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course he is now not undercover with skinheads. He turned on them, but he has to get back in with them immediately. And he knows they don't trust him. So what they do is he finds out that they have a guy that they hate that also like squealed on him in prison. He says, get me this guy. Mm. So they bring that guy to prison and say, okay, Jack Bauer is going to need some information from this guy. Jack Bauer kills him, (laughs) saws off his head, puts the head in a duffel bag and goes undercover with that gang and says, I know you don't trust me here. Boom. Now would a cop do that? No, not a good one, Jack. <laughs> Jesus would, fucking Christ. In fact, people don't typically do that sort of thing. Holy Th- this, fuck. This idea that uh, things are so frantic yeah. that someone like Jack Bauer needs to be like the worst person possible mm-hmm. so he can get information and ultimately Time is save of the, the essence. Yeah. There's, there's no that's, other way. There's a, that's the premise of 24. It's yeah. a literal ticking clock throughout the whole. 24 episodes in 24 hours. Uh, that's some uh, a vibe I kind of got from this, that mm. everything is going so frantically and there's so many ticking clocks mm. that we have to do bad things yeah. in order to, for the greater good. And yeah. we learn, in 24 we learn that is for the greater good. Jack Bauer does save the day. Yeah. 
uh, and the world is safe except for that guy whose head he cut off and all the other people he murdered and tortured. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah to, but to quote True Lies, yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> That's the show's oh, justification. They're, they're, they're all bad. bad so they're it's bad, fine, right? so yeah. We yeah. can torture them. We, okay. we, the storytellers, have judged them so, worthy of death, and yeah, that's so, okay, right? So, so remember, viewers, if you've judged somebody to be bad, you can torture them and be morally in the right. And, uh, uh, and there's uh, no, no repercussions. That is, that is or, not... That is not... That's the lesson I'm taking from from 24. That's the I'm lesson we can take that, from 24, yeah. but that is not condoned nor supported <laughs> no. by Cancel Too I, Soon I think, and its subsidiaries. I, I think they can sense my sarcasm. I just want to uh, be clear. <laughs> I do not want to be in a court case about this. I suppose so. I am being sarcastic. Okay. I'm being sarcastic. That's kids in the hole. Um, yeah. But in, as opposed to 24, uh, Perpetual Grace Limited shows that there are always consequences, and it calls what a, a phrase I've learned from a video game criticism, mm. a cock-up cascade. <laughs> where uh, there, there's a phenomenon in video games where you make one mistake and that essentially just means game over. It just delays yeah. the game over a little bit where all the bad guys sort of amass on your your location and, and kill you and you lose yeah. your life. Uh, that's what happens in Perpetual Grace. Okay, well, we have to do this one bad thing. Oh, shoot, I just spawned two other bad things yeah. by doing this one bad thing. Now, well, now we have to work twice as hard to cover the bad things, yeah. and now we have to start doing other bad things yeah. to cover And then I kill other... two friends, yeah, and, and then... they kill two friends, and they and, kill and now, two and now friends. We're, and how did we get to this point where we're asking this uh, astronaut if we can run over his or his New Leaf's parents? Yeah. Uh, how do we get to this point where we can just run over this guy's parents and say they're somebody else's corpses and, and that's have the, him be okay with that? And that's the best thing we can do today. Yeah, and that, that's the positive spin. Yeah, that's, that's our best option. But what? I, but what? here's what happens over the course of this series where that level of desperation mm-hmm. and so many people feeling that level of desperation on one level or another, uh, for one reason or another rather, brings them together into a weird kind of crime family. Not yeah. like a cool crime family where like they know what they're doing, but an actual family where everyone is in this family is a fuck up, but we mm. love you. There, there's something uh, warm and weirdly comforting about mm. clinging to someone out of mutual desperation. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not the best situation to be in, but you at least found someone who you can relate to. Yeah, and that's something where over the course of the series... Uh, Jimmy Simpson and uh, Damon Harriman and Chris Conrad and what's the name of the kid? Is it? Oh, um, um, let me look up the the actor who plays the kid. Yeah, because he's fun. Is the, it the, the uh, pawn shop owner's son? Yeah. What what is his name? Which one was he? Is it? Uh, uh, is it I think Mike? it's Michael Chernus. No, he's no Michael Chernus is, he is forty four. He's, he was the dad. Michael okay. Chernus is forty four. Um, in that case, it's. Um, you can do uh, Dash Williams Dash is Williams. the name of the actor. Dash Williams is this teen who's like incredibly kind-hearted, but also incredibly dim and mm-hmm. just easily misled. But he's also like never had friends before. So even so though he's weird innocence to him as well, he's befriending Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson's the reason why like he's permanently got brain damage and vision damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also the only one who's ever talked to him and said, hey, maybe you deserve better. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> they end up performing uh, uh, this. He ends up creating this idea that him and New Leaf and uh, and the real uh, uh, Ben Kingsley's son 
are, are all part of a gang called the Special Guys. <laughs> now, we don't commit crimes. We just support each other blindly because no one else will. And weirdly enough, that really starts to matter to all of them. Being Special Guys. They're all Special Guys, where no matter what happens, we're in each other's corner, even though we're all increasingly dooming ourselves to A, probably prison, C, more likely death, and Q, uh, hell, if such a thing exists, <laughs> because they're all doing terrible shit. The only person in this movie who is like completely 100% clean, has done nothing wrong that we know of, uh, is Walker, Texas Ranger, played by Terry O'Quinn. He's the he's the one with the moral compass. Yeah, he's here he's here to solve the murder of a child he suspects that the guy Jimmy Simpson is impersonating killed a young girl. And what the guy says is, I didn't kill her, I was teaching her magic, and she tried to do an escape and died. Mm. And in order there's this wonderful bit where Jimmy Simpson's trying to explain this to Terry O'Quinn. And Terry O'Quinn's like, okay. I need to go out for a second. When I come back, I need to see a magic trick. And Jimmy Simpson has only learned maybe one trick. <laughs> if he can't do it, he's gonna be oh, the game is up. So that part's all great. And then there's this weird flashback where we see what actually happened, and it's a little hard to tell, to be perfectly frank, how culpable um, the guy is. He definitely was trying to get her out of the way because she saw him confessing to planning this crime hmm. years years ago. But regardless. I see it as um, like a decision made in the moment to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Like, a, like it, it wasn't premeditated, but he realized yeah. uh, she could die. It I, I like could he help was, her. It feels like he was just detaining her, yeah. and then she tried to escape, and it went. But it went. Hor He's responsible for her death, whether or not it's first degree murder. In mm. fact, there's a big, big sort of recurring theme of manslaughter here, mm. where everyone, <laughs> almost everyone in the show, ends up being directly responsible for someone's death. But unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, and they all at least have the presence of mind to feel bad about it. <laughs> Except for, like, Ben Kingsley. But, but they're all miserable people. Yeah. Like, this is just sort of like this the world they live in. They're just, oh, shit, I killed somebody. Yeah. Well, I feel bad about Oh, no, I killed somebody else. Yeah. There's also, uh, Kurtwood Smith is in this. He plays, um, uh, the guy oh. Jimmy Spence is impersonating's uncle. And he... Has Jimmy Simpson. Jim, sorry, Jim, say Jimmy you Smith. You said Jimmy Smith. Ah, oh, Jimmy Smith would have been good in the show. Uh, he plays a guy who has been wrongly, as we see in a flashback, uh, convicted of being a sex offender. And it's completely destroyed his life, as you can imagine. Hmm. Um, and he's only allowed to go from his halfway house to his work, and his work sucks, and back again. And over the course of this, he finds out that his sister, Jackie Weaver is dead and he tries to sort of get involved and that's just throwing a big old monkey wrench into all of this because he's the only person in town who knows that Jimmy Simpson isn't who he says he is. Yeah. And that leads to this constant like will I get there's a whole bit where in order to engineer a situation in which they have to take off his ankle bracelet uh, Jimmy Simpson lets himself get bitten by a rattlesnake and he's got 45 minutes to get to the hospital before he'll die. Because but Kurtwood Smith is banging on the door and he can't leave the house or Kurtwood Smith will see him and ruin the whole plan. So he's just sitting there and his head starts swelling up like that bad guy from Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Again, I love the genre of we, we committed a crime or we did something we weren't supposed to do and now every single... Thing that could possibly go wrong goes wrong because mm. that suggests 
Well, there's some there's, sort of divine there, hand. Yeah, I was about to say there's like a, a karmic energy to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, this is this show is called Perpetual Grace. Limited. It's limited. <laughs> grace grace may be forever, it's, they, but they it's it per- only it, we only get so much. <laughs> you only get so much. Yeah. It's a really great title, actually. Um so every single time something seems like it might go right, two other things have to go horribly wrong. That's difficult to sustain in a movie, and yet this show manages to keep that alive every single it's, episode up until the last scene. It's astonishing how how much momentum this show has. Yeah. That that's and it's riveting. It's, yeah, it's as you can tell we both really like this yeah, show. Yeah, it's a really but, good um, show. The idea that all of these weird cock-ups start happening and they start introducing all these new characters and all these weird conceits Mm -hmm. and you are never, ever tempted to roll your eyes at something that's contrived. Like, oh my God. It's like, no, no, no. It just feels like, yeah, this this might as well happen. Even even shows I like, it's like, okay, I I recognize like a tired plot point or a character moment. There, there isn't a single one of those, and the characters when they bond, it feels really genuine. Yeah, but they never lose their peculiarities. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Simpson or the Jimmy Simpson, um, uh, Charles Manson, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Damon Harriman, Damon Harriman scene uh, where they're they're sort of like sitting. It's this beautiful shot, like this big long uh, wide shot, and we see them in the distance. One mm-hmm. of them sitting on a bench, and uh, uh, Damon Harriman is practicing his magic by. Teleporting, yeah, it's like something that you can just do like, now, he, like he, like Nightcrawler in the X Men comics. He takes one of those little smoke pellets and he pops mm. it down, and then he is just gone. And then another smoke pellet pops up, and then he's somewhere else. But he, he's like a hundred feet away, so yeah. he's like really, really doing something supernatural. Eventually, he explains the trick, and he's mm. he does he says I'm not supposed to do that, and he's and Jimmy Simpson's like I'm not supposed to impersonate people and steal their money. <laughs> I feel like you owe me but one, and he's like the, okay, fine. But that, that scene where the, what yeah. they're conversing and they're kind of like getting to know each other, yeah. I think is. A really a great scene of their like deepening connection. Yeah, but something I appreciate about Perpetual Grace is, uh, despite all of this sort of warmth of like mutually assured destruction and uh-huh. clinging onto each other in desperate situations, rarely tips toward sentimentality. Yeah, there's not a lot of openings for you to sort of like soften and relax a little bit. You're always a little bit mm-hmm. high strung and. How they were able to find this weird balance of liking all of these horrible characters mm-hmm. and always wanting to see what they're doing next while always being a little bit tense is a balancing act I've never seen pulled off this well. Not on television. I've yeah. seen it in movies. Seen it in movies. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do in movies. There's only yeah. a, there's only so many movies that can pull this off for an hour and a half or two hours. And that's the thing that when it comes right down to it, we talk about the the the, the final bit. By the way, this 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 ends on a cliffhanger. It only could. And I even I suspect even if the show had ended on its own terms, it would have ended on a cliffhanger. Mm. It's just that kind of show. <laughs> um, it ends with they're going to bury New Leaf's parents, pretending that they're Ben Kingsley and Jackie Weaver. Uh, however, they've just about wrapped everything up. Terry O'Quinn is pretty convinced that no crime was committed and no one killed that young girl, and he's about to leave town. But Kurtwood Smith asks him to come to the funeral with him, mm. and at that point. Terry O'Quinn finds under his chair the one photograph that proves that Jimmy Simpson isn't who he says he is. <laughs> and at that funeral, there is now there are now people who know Jimmy Simpson isn't who he says he is or suspect it, and people who actually know who the real kid is. Uh, basically, when they call up at the end of the episode, say, and now the son of Ben Kingsley and Jackie, Jackie Weaver 
would like to say a few words. Jimmy Simpson walks up and he knows there are people in the audience who know he's not the son. Mm. But there are people who do. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to get himself out of this one. And I love Jimmy Simpson's delivery here. He's just sort of standing there. He looks at Terry O'Quinn. He knows that Terry O'Quinn suspects him, but he can't break the he can't break the facade. He has to keep trying. He knows Kurtwood Smith knows he isn't who he says he is. Oh. And the last line of dialogue in Perpetual Grace Limited is Jimmy Simpson going, Hey, <laughs> let me tell you a story. <laughs> let me tell you a story. He's mine. It's just, hey, like he just doesn't know what to do. Anything could have happened on the other end of that cliffhanger. He could have given a really cleverly worded speech hmm. about, you know, you know, it feels like if they'd had a good son, the good son would have said something like this or whatever like that. Maybe he could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Maybe a meteorite hits everybody and they all die. <laughs> Maybe anything could happen. Ben Kingsley could show up. The, the dead could just walk. <laughs> the bodies could just get up and walk out. And I would not be shocked. Um, we do a thing here at Cancel Too Soon where we say if the show had lasted 100 episodes, mm. what would have happened? And when it comes to something like Perpetual Grace, where it's a 10 episode season, the odds of it ever intending to go that far are probably pretty slim. Yeah, the, the, but clearly okay, well, they wanted a few seasons. Th- this this is a recent show. It's just like three years old. And, yeah. Uh, so season, the way seasons are measured has changed drastically over the course of yeah. like, the decade. So a season can be like six to 10 episodes. So, yeah. You know, this is far cry from the 90s when a, a season was 26 episodes. Uh, so l- let's scale that back rather than say what, mm-hmm. what would have happened if it lasted a hundred episodes. Let's say what would have happened if it lasted like 40. Yeah. Like if it had four full seasons. It had four full seasons, which is a lot. That is a lot to ask. And as impressed mm-hmm. as I am about this show managing to keep this up over 10 episodes, I'm not convinced it could have done it for 40. It's 40 is a lot to it, ask. It's a lot to ask. And, uh, you know, there's going to be like gaps in between the seasons. They're going to mm-hmm. have to you know, update things, change the premise mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I feel like different crimes, perhaps d- different new, crimes, new people I coming think, and taking over I think the plot. What they would have done is uh, very slowly introduce so many characters mm-hmm. that it would have been like the Simpsons after a while. Yeah. Where we can have an entire episode devoted to the plight of Otto, the bus driver. It's mm-hmm. like. He was just a joke character when they first introduced him. Yeah. Now he's got a whole backstory. Same with you know, characters like Apu, even Bumblebee Guy, I think, got his own episode at one point. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would have been like that. They would have introduced all of these new characters. And at some point, I suspect mm. that they would have intru- they would have stumbled. They would have introduced a bad character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a morally objectionable character. That's everybody. But, but just a uh, like non-interesting just, character. Yeah, or a subplot that, character, that somehow yeah. steps over the line and loses our credibility yeah, or, or credulity. Or they, or they or, spend a lot of time on a subplot that's not terribly interesting. Which yeah. I know is, is or maybe an actor leaves. Like, oh, we can't get mm-hmm. Jimmy Simpson back, but the whole damn story revolved around him. Mm-hmm. What do we do? And maybe they can't figure out a way to cleverly do that. Yeah. So I... I I, I like you don't have faith that they would have been able to carry carry this off because what they did was so impressive mm-hmm. that it seems like they like they they hit a sweet spot that just can't be hit repeatedly. Yeah, uh, and yet the question remains because again saying whether because we end every episode by saying was this canceled too soon and there's multiple reasons why we could say something was or wasn't canceled too soon. Sometimes we say it wasn't canceled too soon because it's bad. Mm. 
then it shouldn't it have lasted long. Their premise is bad. Or, the implementation or, or, is bad. Or, or, it doesn't often, work. Often uh, I say it was it wasn't killed too soon because it's good, but this is enough. We yeah. actually don't need more of what we got. Yeah, that doesn't. It's not necessarily a detriment to say something is canceled too soon. We mm-hmm. could just say this works as itself, mm-hmm. and any more of it could have. Too much risk of it hurting it. Spoiled what we have. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I'm asking you, Mm -hmm. based on that idea that, frankly, I think this could go either way, was Mm. Perpetual Grace Limited canceled too soon? Um, I am going to say yes. Okay. But I think, like, one more year could have done it. Yeah. Uh, This is not a thing like American Horror Story, where they can just keep on coming back and keep on coming back. How long has that show been on the air? Like, 85 years? Yeah, but every season's uh, a new storyline. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like... They would have sort of like had to have do like a soft reboot, a lot of the same characters, mm-hmm. not continuing the same story in the same settings. Mm. Uh, they'd, they'd have to do some sort of big drastic change. And I would love to have seen a creative uh, re-angling mm. of the story and yeah. these characters uh, and like a, maybe a shift in the tone. Because this is such an interesting, quirky universe to live in, it would have been interesting to see at least one more pass but then stop. <laughs> don't don't keep on doing that because after a while, I think, yeah, just some of the glitter would shake off. Yeah. Uh, the original idea, of course, was that this would go on. However, uh, Epics decided not to renew it. Mm. But they did say that well, they would be they, willing. They oh, did say. Hang on. They said that they would be willing to film an, a limited series, limited run of episodes Enough stuff to wrap everything up. At which point, uh, Stephen Conrad apparently said, quote, under these terms... Never going to happen. Yeah. He was not happy with the working conditions for whatever reason. I don't know all the details because he didn't like being canceled. And I suspect a couple of episodes wasn't enough to wrap this shit up. No. Um, Gosh, no. So I'm with you. I think this was canceled too soon. I suspect we probably couldn't have gotten more than another two seasons tops of it going at this pace with this exact storyline. Without it eventually, at the very least, losing sight of what it was in the first place. There's a there's a real issue sometimes where you start off with a really great uh, uh, concept, a really great hook, and then as you continue going and as you continue spiraling out and following the characters and following the subplots, you lose sight of what made it work in the first place. Mm-hmm. A great example is another Terry O'Quinn series, Lost. Okay. Where like, <laughs> the whole idea of Lost is, is a bunch of survivors on a plane crash. They're on a mysterious island no one can find, and they're stuck there. And there's some mysterious shit there. And maybe some people who've been there the whole time. Cool. I want to see them try to survive. I want to see them uncover a few mysteries. By the time we got to season four and five, we had left everything recognizable about season one in the far off fucking distance. <laughs> it's just, it's gone. And by that point, you're invested and you probably want to continue it. But mm. also, it's just not the same show anymore. And well, I feel like I, if this show keeps well, spiraling and spiraling and spiraling, eventually we're going to remember like, hey, remember when this was about conning two old people about out of their money? Yeah. Like, okay. it's just going to become this entirely different entity and potentially, potentially lose its way. That would be my yeah. fear. That uh, This is, of course, a way of... If, if the creators of the show are listening, uh, this is us sort of declaring that we don't have faith in them. Oh, uh, that's so, a little hard. What we're saying but, is that you 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 set a, such a high standard uh-huh. that even people meeting that standard could be forgiven yeah. <laughs> if you can't make that... If you can't follow through because mm. this is a really high bar to hit, even, yeah, for, yeah. even for itself. I mean, we've all seen people like hit a really high bar and then just not be able to sustain it 
forever. Yeah. Uh, Twin like, Peaks fell flat in, in season two Twin before Peaks coming is, back. Is a good know? example. The, the yeah. one I hear mentioned most frequently is Heroes. Heroes went from one season, slightly derivative, mm. by slightly I mean significantly. Like, significantly derivative. But one very it's, it's good It's an se- X-Men series. It, it's yeah. a, it's, Heroes was one very good season of television. First episode of season two, you could already tell we were done. Yeah. <laughs> you can already tell, like, oh no. We, we really Every creative there. decision is terrible here. Why are those two people living together now? That makes no fucking sense. My, uh, Holy shit. My, my wife, Angie, uh, watched season two of Heroes when it was airing live at first because she was very fond of the first season. And she said, like, very disappointedly, was like quizzing me, okay. What do you think happens in the first episode? So remember that doctor, like he was looking at like researching superheroes. Uh-huh. I said, "Does he extract the superhero gene and insect- in- inject himself with it?" She's like, "Yeah, he does." It's like, <laughs> it's like the oldest superhero trick in the book. Yeah. Either that, or he's going to make super soldiers because mm. the world needs that. Why is that always a plot point? We need to. I don't even get to army. that point. If if, Mo- if Mohinder Suresh did that, I don't even remember if he did that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he did that, I, I gave up in season two. Um, I, I gave up on season one. I thought it was way too derived. Which is fair. Yeah, which yeah. is fair. But at the same time, it wasn't that bad. Anyway, Perpetual Grace. Here's what I'm going to say about Perpetual Grace Limited. By the way, this is currently available uh, if you have a, an Epix subscription. It just comes with that. You can also uh, purchase it directly through a service like Amazon. Mm. Um, and uh, it's a you know pretty good deal for 10 hours of entertainment. Um even though this show doesn't have like a proper ending, it feels like a complete artistic entity. It, it, it does. It like it leaves you on a cliffhanger. Yeah, there's but, definitely stuff that isn't but resolved. A, a, most of it did conclude. Yeah, it, and, it, and we understand the characters a lot, and they found a place where they're going to start afresh in the next. There season. There are definitely characters in this story who have started in one place and turned their lives over and are now in a new place. Hmm. And even though they're still trapped in this perhaps never-ending, call it hell, call it limbo, call it purgatory, of their own making. Yeah, of their own making. Where we made bad decisions, they're going to follow us forever, and I wouldn't be surprised if the twist is everyone in the show is dead, uh, just because of that. Hmm. It's a hackneyed twist, but whatever. Um it feels complete enough that I can recommend this as its own entity, not just for people oh, like us. Yeah. Who, there are some people who don't like watching shows that got canceled because they'll never be complete, and that feels a little unsatisfying. I understand the mentality. I don't necessarily agree. I think we're, we're, we're missing out well, on a lot of really great art. Well, let me but, ask those people yeah. this. Every show ends eventually, right? Yeah. Even if they end on a cliffhanger, it's still going to end. That's right. the ending you got. Exactly. And some, mm-hmm. But it might not be a satisfying ending. Here... While I would have loved to have seen what happened next, I feel satisfied. Hmm. It's an exceptional show. So yes, I think the show is canceled too not, soon. It's not like Alcatraz, where the main oh, character... <laughs> it literally is, ends with the protagonist dying. The, the protagonist dies. They open up a, a chamber underneath Alcatraz that reveals that there are time travelers all over the country, and that's the end yeah, of the It's a series. huge cliffhanger. Maybe you should have started with that, and then we would have been on board. Yeah, I... Only kind of like Alcatraz. Interesting premise, but Interest- not a great show. Interesting premise, not a great show, which is something we deal with a lot here. Here... Weird premise, amazing show. And I want to mm. give Chris Wong a very special thank you. Thank you very much for putting this on our radar. Thank you for requesting it. Uh, we're incredibly grateful to you. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That we got to see this show. Um, this is this was a treat. It, it really, really was. Uh, yeah, please, please, please stick it up. Yeah. Do all of those things William said because you'll 
you'll thank us at the end. You'll be really, really happy. And I'm gonna and I said it at the top, and I'll say it again. I think Jimmy Simpson is one of the great underrated actors right now. I think yeah. anyone who sees him Well him and Damon Harriman. Damon Harriman's like, really the, great too. This is like a Richard Jenkins moment where yeah. these characters you usually see off to the side on the periphery mm-hmm. playing supporting characters get to lead a show well, and you get to see that they are very talented people. It's weird for me because I keep I keep seeing Simpson in particular. I'm less familiar with Damon Harriman, so I apologize for singling out uh, only Jimmy Simpson, but I keep seeing him being the best thing in everything he's in. <laughs> and everyone seems to, on television seems to know this. He's constantly cast in prominent, meaningful roles in TV because he's an exceptional actor. And yeah, he's been in some movies. Remember when he was the hacker in White House Down? Yes. He was awesome in that movie. He was great. But for whatever reason, what, what, he's never... Was he listening to um, Ride of the Valkyries when I he was hacking? So, yeah. He was listening to like Wagner or something. Yeah. So he's just one of those actors who he's never won a major award. Mm. He's only been nominated for like one Emmy for like his guest stint in Westworld. He's just one of those people who I just feel like if he doesn't have like the breakout role at some point... He's just going to be one of those people who just everyone knows is brilliant, but nobody talks about enough. And I just want him to get that bit. Mm. And I feel like if Perpetual Grace had maybe been on a network other than Epics, maybe a network people have or talk <laughs> I, uh, about or care about, I'm, maybe this could have been that breakout show. I, I, just, I made I a know. joke in an article I wrote recently saying, uh, the only place to see this show is on Stars, so it's unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, agreed. Stars, Showtime, and Epics. Like, they have quality programming, yeah. and they're... Look at it this way. Epics has... Like, Crackle is talked about more than Showtime. Epics had a television series, a Batman television series. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck talked about what, it? Was that Titans? No, it was Pennyworth. Or? It was the origin story of Batman's oh, butler. I thought that was on right now, or is it canceled already? It might. No, 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 no. It moved to HBO Max. Only okay. after it moved to HBO Max did anyone start talking about yeah, it. So, <laughs> so yeah, so Perpetual Grace is on Epics, which means it's not available, but uh, seek it out anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for Cancelled Too Soon. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for, for hanging on. We are back. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, we might be bi-weekly for a little bit. We're going to try to keep it going weekly if we can, but bi-weekly at the most. And our next episode is our 225th episode. And on the 25s... That's a nice round enough number. It's a a significant number. It's a a landmark. It's when you'd have a double-sized issue of (laughs) X-Men. We like to do one of our more requested programs. And as a result, next time on Cancelled Too Soon, we are doing... Terriers. Yeah, remember Terriers? If you don't, well, you're on our boat, because Whitney and I never saw it. (laughs) However, we get Terrier requests, our Terriers requests, Hmm. all the damn time. This is maybe... Apart from shows we've already done. Yeah, apart from uh, like... Uh, it's one uh, of the most re- requested shows yeah, we've done. We, uh, most requested shows ever. We, uh, Briscoe County Jr. is one of our most requested shows ever. Yeah. Firefly was one of our most requested shows ever. It we technically broke our rules. We did that on our Patreon uh, yeah, when we, we hit a milestone. We did every every episode of, of yeah. Firefly got its own episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, of, our, of the more recent programs, Terriers is right the hell up there. Uh, it stars Donald Logue. And Michael Raymond James, and they are private investigators uh, in San Diego. And I will try really hard not to sing the the Terriers musical number from Kids in the Hall. 
the Terry's uh, musical number from Kids. Yeah, Night. Michael Ian Black sang, uh, or not Michael Ian. Um, yeah, that's that's Bruce McCullough. Okay, Bruce McCullough. Michael Ian Black, Bruce McCullough, same person. Yeah, kind of. Uh, they they yeah, look they, similar. Michael Ian Black looks taller. I guess he looks taller. <laughs> I I've, I've only I've never met either of them. I don't know how tall either of them are. If you if I were to guess, I'd say Michael Ian Black. He looks lankier. They were they were on sketch comedy around the same time, uh, so mm. I, I mixed them up for. No, a they second, got they got kind of the same eyes. They look yeah. they're kind of staring Bruce at you. Bruce McCullough from uh, uh, Kids in the Hall sang a song about terriers. Like terriers yeah. are my favorite kind of dog. Like it's I don't l- look that. it up. It's pretty funny. I remember the Dave song. Yeah, well, these are the these are the Daves I know. I know these are the Daves I know. I have Bruce McCullough's record. It's called Shame Based Man, and uh, that was pretty funny. That's awesome. Anyway, that is it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you everybody for who's been waiting for this to come back because we are back. Mm -hmm. Um, Feel free to say. Did you watch Perpetual Grace? Do you have any insights you'd like to share about it? Did you dislike it? it? Because we've been gushing about it. I'd love to hear criticism of it. Yeah, be great if you want to talk about it. Too oblique for you. Uh, Obviously, you can find us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. But if you want to do so in a more public manner, if you want to like share your thoughts with the world, we have our show, We've Got Mail. You can email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode and answer anything you want us to answer for. <laughs> uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. box for those uh, yeah. who prefer the old-fashioned way? Send us a nice physical piece of physical mail. I send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565. Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And of course, uh, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where we have a lot of exclusive shows uh, and uh, Patreon hangouts as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a good place to go for all your stuff that you could have. We have a lot of special stuff all ready for you. And it's uh-huh. all there. And uh, Whitney, tell them about your other podcast. Oh, I do have another podcast. Uh, I and the venerable B. Peterson uh, have a podcast called All About Ovid. That's spelled with all O's. O-L-L-O-B-O-U-T. O-V-I-D. About Ovid, the streaming service. Ovid is a, a streaming service that offers a lot of international cinema, recent deep cut art house stuff. A lot of just whatever you find on Ovid is incredibly fascinating. And, uh, yeah, she and I talk about whatever we watched on Ovid since the last episode. Um, she's always way ahead of me, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, we have interesting conversations and our last two episodes were devoted to a conversation we had with the filmmaker Lynn Sachs, uh, who Who actually came uh, on the show, actually came on the show. We had a, it it was via zoom, but you know, we we talked with uh, Lynn Sachs, uh, fascinating filmmaker who does a lot of really uh, interesting, you might call them experimental documentaries. There's a, you know, a lot of use of montage and creative editing and things that de- are, are devoted to a lot of uh, things about her personal life. And yeah, we get to talk about sort of the art scene and the, her kind of filmmaking style and her her uh, openness and her intimacy and all the rest of that. And uh, yeah, it's just a really great conversation. So listen to the last two episodes of all about Ovid. That's amazing. Um, and of course uh, we have a soap store, me and my partner, M. Lapis da Silva. It's called salt cat soap. You can find it on social media, Instagram, Twitter, so on at salt cat soap, all one word. And you can also, it's an Etsy store. So the link will be on social media. You can look for us on Etsy. We design soaps. We sell fancy soaps, good old fashioned, uh, good get you clean soaps, really elaborate and gorgeous gift sets. Um, we have uh, bath salts, we have lotions, we have all kinds of stuff. These are all handcrafted, uh, and the reviews have been really excellent, and we've been doing it for a year now. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. So thank you to everybody who has already purchased some soap. Thank you everybody who left us a review. Uh, means the world to us, and uh, we're going to keep coming. New soaps are premiere first Saturday of every month. Can't wait to show you what we got coming up next. Uh, so that is it for Cancel Too Soon.
Thank you, everybody. Once again, that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.